la 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 Hello everyone, welcome, Mulwini Mulwini, welcome to another episode of Fresh Perspective with me today, friend and a creative genius, Benny Fauri. Hello. Or you pronounce it Furi in English, Benny. Yeah, and the mother tongue, the mother tongue, Furi, the <laughs> art. Mm. So um, I, I like to kick off with a simple question, because I, I like to... Uh, have my guests be very comfortable at the beginning. So just tell us, Benny, what do you do? <laughs> I'll keep us. I'll keep us. I can't hear. Couldn't hear. You can't hear me. Yeah, seconds. Like it was milliseconds. milliseconds. Now I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just embrace it. So I don't know what did you hear. Nothing. I'm going to give you a question and that's it. <laughs> Okay, the question is, what do you do? Um, I, I, I like to just use one word with, um, with that explanation. I think that's the thing that, that really defines it. And it's, um, I forgot, it's called skip, but it's uh, create. So, um, because I, I've got plenty of passions, like I love woodworking and I love um, making films and I love writing I love doing voiceover work, but it feels like it's all created from nothing. Um, and, and that's, so yeah, I, I, I think that's my thing, create. Great, I like that. And what's, what's, the, what's the project you're working on now? What are you working on now? What are you creating? So um, I'm currently working on a film, a feature film that I'm writing called um, Lectures Omar. It's a, it's a family dark comedy type of thing. Um, and then I'm right, also currently writing season five of a, a show we do for Pegnet, a mockumentary called Hotel. Um, that's the two things for work. And then also doing a sketch show, a sketch comedy show um, on the one side. Um, and then also just renovating my little flats with a lot of woodwork stuff that I like to do. Okay, awesome. So obviously you are... For people who know you, they know you. You are a very humoristic and funny guy. You like to see uh, like the the funny side in life, and uh, I think that's a great perspective to have on life. And could you maybe just tell us what what do you feel that gives you? What what um, advantage you feel that gives you in just approaching the difficulties in life? So, I mean, it's like starting out my career um, and like starting out. At university, we were like the, the improv group together. You know that 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 that's a like a part of you that like oh you get laughs and people that you, you and it's and it's it's so um, um, on steerclick. What's the word? Uh, contagious. <laughs> contagious. It's very contagious. Like um, and it just makes you feel unbelievably good. And I, at some point, I even felt like can't do this for a living it's not it's not taking it seriously you know um and then it's i like it's not like, yeah it feels weird or it just feels like you're fooling around and and are you just attention seeking or what are you doing but then i really i really believe that i've got these set of talents for and that's really my calling i really believe that i'm put here to make people laugh like and, and brighten people's days up so Having, having started like believing in that made it shift the focus from me to really to the audience and what I can 
what I can give them to to enjoy, um, which is fun. But it also just gives me, yeah, just if I can laugh, if I can laugh, if I, I I don't like creating stuff that I think only they will enjoy. I like to think of like my audience as my friends. So like, what are the things that I enjoy and that they'll enjoy? And that's the litmus test almost for like if I want to do something or if I think it's funny enough to do. But but it also like we've I've also got a, a little ad agency thing and it's just given me such a nice angle on, on anything because there's so much clutter out there. There's so much everybody's marketing, but everybody's saying the same thing in a serious way. So it ends up everybody's saying exactly the same thing. But now when you get when you add comedy to that, um, it just gives it just gives another angle and it just like rises from the clutter. And the one big thing that I realized is it's difficult. <laughs> and and it's, 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 it's not something that, um, without sounding pompous or anything, but like you've, you've, you've created a body of work and you've learned to do this. And it isn't second nature to everybody. And that is a benefit for me to use um, and to capitalize on. Okay, so you mean it's difficult um, for many other people to use humor to either market something or to create something. Yeah, but like for myself as well, like when I write and to get to get it right, like to get the comedy really right, because any, I think it's easy to do something funny, but it just doesn't like it. It needs to really work. Like it needs to like there's structure to it, and there's and and believing and realizing that there's there's actually structure to it that sits behind comedy. To, to see the mechanics of it and like go, okay. So if I, if I do the work, if I really sit and do the structuring behind it, there's a way to like, to mine it. I like that a lot. Okay, explain to us what, what's the structure? What's the mechanics behind comedy? How do you make so, people laugh? So, well, sorry, I wanted to comment also on, you said you like to create stuff that you find fun. So mm -hmm. that means you laugh at your own jokes all the time. All the time, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always the funniest guy in the room. <laughs> to yourself, <laughs> to myself. No, but that's actually that's actually quite funny because it's it's I'm I'm I feel ninety percent of the time I don't feel like the funniest guy in the room. Um, even even at home, even between my friends, like there's always someone who's like, "Geez, that guy's so funny." I like, and it's and it's great, and and it's like because you. You, you kind of try and learn from everyone. You, you, anybody that's funny, you're like, oh, that's, that's great. How did he do that? What's the little, the pause he had there, whatever. Um, yeah, so there's, yeah. The mechanics, please. The mechanics. Yeah. I'm very curious to hear about that. So um, there's a lot, there's a lot of that in the the TV series that I, that I write. So, at first, I never, I never thought of, uh, about like structure in the sense that, like, it's if it's going to be a funny storyline, it's going to be funny. But, but like, good, continuously doing that, and now we're like, it's five seasons in, and it gets difficult to, to still, still create scenarios that's funny. But like, people don't care about, people don't care about what the story is. They do care about that, but they just want the characters to react in a good way. And if you set that up right. That, that's how it works. Like, for instance, when we do a tell, we got a setup um, structure, which is you create the trouble, the, the world before. Um, you sit, put them in deep water, and then, then they, they, we, you know, at like 
And if you can test this with any show, like eight minutes into a sitcom, you know exactly what this story is going to be about, like on the eighth minute, pretty much. Mm. And, and then... But literally they, on the eighth minute. It's pretty much, yeah. Like oh, it, that's cool. Just before the first ad break, or these, you'll see a blackout on Netflix or whatever, you know that that's the part, like this is what's, what it's going to be about. And all well, the A storyline. And then from there on, it's just like getting them, they make decisions to get more into trouble or there's power shifts. And it's just, so we call it in, in, in hotel, we've got a thing, it's called trouble, then the muddle, the wobble, and then the triumph or the failure. And then you've got your kicker. And you just set it up. Because I think plenty of guys just like start writing and they just depend on dialogue, for instance, to be funny. But like there's a lot of work that's uh, structure-wise that can, lies beneath it that really, it's really fascinating to see. And then, then um, from improv, like the, the stuff that I learned in what we did, um, but back in the day we had an improv troupe called Lachnes. Um, I just like the amazing life skills separate from from the structure stuff but like getting out the who and the what and the where is like creating context just getting it out like as soon as you can the first three sentences needs to be who are we where are we what are we doing and then then it's finding the game of the scene and just getting it and, and hitting the game of the scene as hard as you can but like it's to the naked eye it just seems like oh this is for some reason this is working but like we've got like from the beginning of time, we, we know that the story has got a beginning, a middle and an end. And if we package these things as a small beginning, middle and end, that's, that's like, that's the base structure. Of it all. But, but when it's formulaic like that, don't you feel like it interferes with the creativity? It, it, people would say that it do, it does, but it's, yeah. it, it sounds it, like it should, you know, but. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's gonna come in the way. Don't don't like pressure me into getting on to on top of this thing. And and you you just realize when it's not there and you because like it just it just becomes like what is this about? So sometimes yes, it, it doesn't always rely on the structure. Sometimes like a beeline would just go just be like a quick joke here and there. But like a story it's got a beginning, a middle and end and you like when, when you got a fight with someone, it started somewhere. It started with someone saying something wrong and you took it wrong. And that's the beginning. That's your act break. That's your, and that's, it's actually just life imitating art in a, in a big sense. And that's, yeah, you got, I, I feel like even if you say I don't use structure, you know you use structure, which is like coming from a video. You say life imitating art? Yeah, so it's, and I think it goes both ways, but like, we know, like, and I, that's why we relate to stories so much because it's basically, it's basically life. Um, so you recognize what you see. And as soon as you recognize what you see, you're in. If I, if, if something's too way over the top, we go like, I don't believe it. And because, because you don't, you can't, you can't relate you can't, to it. You can't relate to it. And okay. um, you need to see that, and that's something that was a fascinating thing for me to to learn um, whilst I was in um, at Second City in Chicago, um, where we were always more focused on externalizing the things. Like we we said, we should never have talking edge. We should never just be be talking to each other. We should find the thing that's interesting around us 
and talk, go to that. Just and explain that a bit, bit more, Benny. Talking yeah. heads. So talking heads would be two characters standing on stage and then just talking to each other, and then it just becomes boring because they they're just having a conversation. And then like, but we so we went actually a bit like think too far in a sense where we went to um, uh, it's not necessarily relational, but it's plot. So we'll say, where's the treasure? Where's the thing outside of us? We'll always be talking to some, about something that, that we, we're not talking to each other. We're talking about the thing that's standing in front of us. But, but relational is the stuff that nobody's really been treasure hunting, but everybody's been a brother to someone who was frustrated because you don't ever want me to have what you have or something. So that's a relatable situation. And if you turn that on its head, that's funny because I can relate to a brother relationship or something like that, but not necessarily always a treasure. Yeah, you can imagine that and it does work. You'll have a treasure scene, but you, you, you actually don't worry about the treasure. You worry about the relationships when I watch it. Uh, I understand. So, so the, the audience, the people watching, they, they engage with the relationships because they relate to what's going on between the characters, not necessarily exactly. what they want or what they aim for. Yeah, and I think sometimes it, it gets so truthful. Like, it yes. gets so, we laugh at it because it's, it's, it's us, but we didn't go that far. Like, we'd love to go that far. Like, yeah, like, I get you. So, okay. No. Yeah, so, what you try and do, you amplify what's already there that we can relate to as an audience. You amplify that and that's actually part of what makes it so funny because you can just imagine what will happen when you react that way. Yeah, so simple things like if a dad, if a dad and, his, and his son, like they've got a scene together, but the son is always like, I have to look after my dad. And that becomes the funny thing in the scene and like you, you yes, you exclamate it, you make it like much bigger, like, like literally pouring milk into a bottle for your dad or whatever that's that could be funny but that's a metaphor for someone that's like i don't want to look after my father and i've got this relationship with my father not being responsible or something like that but it's yeah it's um i i really believe that you need to you need to um feel that you you need to relate to something for it to really have an impact on you yeah, makes sense. I know that both of us read Save, Save That Cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save so, the Cat, yes. And, and also, the cat. <clears throat> you also, you, you mentioned Second City. So maybe just share some of the big learnings or key moments in your life you felt like, yeah, I'm still using the principles or the concepts that I learned either from, mm. from a book like Save the Cat or um, Second City. And maybe just tell people who don't know what, Chicago or second city in Chicago is what what goes so, on. So um, we don't have a big in South Africa. We don't have a big improv background, um, and it's been very. Where in America, it's it's very big. So like a lot of people knows um, Saturday Night Live and so on. So in Chicago, and whose line is it anyway? And whose line is it anyway? Exactly. Yeah. And and in uh, Chicago, there's this um, school that I, I read about, like at university called the second city and there's um a lot of the students that go to say saturday night live or actually some of the guys that are useless anyway they were in the canadian second city and um, and there's a school where you just go for i went for three months and i i, I ran a couple of courses like improv diagnostics improv sketch writing acting stand-up 
and it was like school for me and it was fascinating wow. because I never studied that like I studied law um, and uh, <laughs> different pathways set out and that's also something that's, that was that's a fascinating world it's like we are in a world where there's people that went to drama school and that did acting and all that jazz and now you're coming from the side and you also want to do it but they're like you're not trained and you're like do I need it and so that was like like that was my my bit of training eventually uh, after seven years. Um, but yeah, I've learned I've I've learned a lot. Like for just from a basic point of view, the just going to Second City and being a South African in a in a in the big American system over there, I never felt as unfunny in my life <laughs> before. Um, because the cultural difference is massive, and 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 you, we forget like how how um, detailed our comedy sometimes can become. Like I was in this improv class, and somebody would say, "Here's an American spirit, grab one." I'm like, "I'll grab it if you tell me what it is," <laughs> because and it's like a cigarette or something. But it's like you you need to really it's so submerged merged in the culture. Um, so that was quite interesting, but I like then when you get to the ground level of of improvising with someone and it becomes relational and it just works again because like we all know relationships on a very basic level. So that was cool to see that like if we if we strip down all the stuff, then then that that's that's cool and that's fun. Um, on Save the Cat, that was the first film book I've ever read. Like I always just wanted to make a film, but then. Just it's 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 fascinating because like it feels like it's impossible. How am I going to write a film or whatever? And it's just getting the tools and it's just reading up on on what I need to know to do this thing. And uh, and like as I as I spoke to you like earlier regarding having the tools to do something. If I don't know how to do it, like that book is just like gives you the basics. It tells you this is where you, this usually happens. And I'm a firm believer that structure is great, but like you can you can't just go and break structure. You need to know what the structure is that you are breaking. So you know, really, you need to know what's the thing that you are not doing. And that book just teaches structure from a, from a film structure from beginning to ending. So you mean um, like when when you know what the structure of something is, the the right way or the the best way to do it, then you can consciously break the structure instead of. You know, I don't want structure, and I'm just all over the place. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So you'll be, you'll, you'll say, I know the act book should be pretty much this, and and there needs to be an inciting incident. But like, I know, I know what I want to do with the story, so I want to do this spot like very close to the act book. So you break it on purpose, but you know what you, you know what it, what the thing is that it needs to do. <laughs> explaining it correctly yeah no it makes sense makes sense and and you talked about cultural differences and in south africa i think uh humor is one of the things that kind of just unites people mm. i think there's uh, probably only two things rugby <laughs> and yeah. humor yeah. so uh maybe you can share some experiences that you've had where humor has created new relationships for you or surprised you uh, yeah, on a relational level, you know, connecting with people that you might not have connected to because of you, man. It's fascinating how, um, yeah, like the, the we ever since I've been started like doing, um, we've been doing a lot of the King Price commercials over the last few years, 
and we've been like forced ourselves to get into a place where we we say we um, we've created a, a like a catchphrase for them, which is unapologetically South African, where which gives you a lot of um, scope to play into let's laugh at ourselves, and we're not going to apologize for who we are as people. Like we've got a strange history. We've got strange relationships. We've got many misunderstandings, and we're just going to have fun with that. And the, the the response has been so really overwhelmingly great. Um, every time we're like, oh, this might be like this white guy going to go to this black lady and asking her for labola, and labola is something that's like holy to them. Or are we, we going to play with this and fool with this? And the reception on that commercial, for instance, was great. Like people were like, yes. So I, it's, I think, like on a street level, people are like, "Let's let's do this. Oh. Let's 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 get into each other's cultures." Let's, and obviously, from a political view, they they don't want they don't want that. They'll they'll rather drive fear. But on a ground level, like people are so so um, ready for it and want to do it, which is awesome. Um, but to be honest, like South Africa is a super difficult place if you want to break out in terms of comedy. Because just to give you a, a, a background, obviously we've got we've got a captured audience. Afrikaans people's got a captured audience in the sense that they can't get entertained by, in their own language by a whole lot of people. Like we've got four million, four to I don't know, like four to eight million Afrikaans speaking people around in the in the country. Um, it's a lot of Brown people in Cape in the Cape area that they super Afrikaans that uh, that hasn't actually been catered for enough, um, which is a very cool market to to get into. Um, but then, like for instance, like movie going audience is so small. There's like two million people that that you can get to go to the films. And then then if you want to break out of that, then you need to start like working in English. But like as soon as you make a film in English, you're competing against Avengers and all those. Uh. And also, like, if I want to make a vernacular film, it's just too far out of my reach because I don't understand the language A and B. It's like it's a it's a much different humor. Um, I've done stand up in like a very mixed um, mixed setup, and like it just falls on deaf ears because it's we don't necessarily always laugh at the same jokes. We've got a we've got the same base level of things that we like to laugh at. So it's a difficult place to break out of if you want to go into another place. It's almost, for me, growing up with a very Western influence on my comedy, um, it's almost easier for me to go either Afrikaans or Western English big market. It's weird. I understand. Yeah. So, if I understand, yeah. so you mean go for Afrikaans, which is kind of your, your language and your culture? Yeah. Or go for the bigger Western uh, market, but within yeah. South Africa to try and go into the different markets within South Africa. That's that's the hard bit, the tricky bit. Very difficult, yeah. Okay. And, and like, and humor. Yeah, if you use, I think humor helps. But like, like even even that, like I've, we've been working. With, it's difficult to translate even. Like it's difficult okay. to translate the right the right phrase. We've we've had. We've had radio ads that we do, for instance, for in five languages. So we, we'll do Afrikaans, English, Zulu, and Kosa, and then you you get a translator in to rewrite the script. But there, there's no word for this, or there's no concept uh, for that. Okay. Well, they don't find that that funny, and then you and, and I don't I don't have the tools. I'm like, I want to help. 
<laughs> so, I want to make it funny. Um, but I, but there's there's a lot of meeting each other in the middle. I think in English now, like if you do if you do a, a thing that is English but very South African, very South African, then you've got something okay. um, that you that can translate. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds so, negative. It's not a negative. It's just a like where we. I think we are. No, it makes sense. It's, it's your observation, and, and obviously you move within that industry and notice these kind of things. So to me, it's fascinating, interesting. Um, so what's what's the impact of of the create the creation process on you as a person? So what I mean by that question is, it can be sometimes you're not in a creative space. So often we see creativity as something that we we have to wait for. But I know that you have a, a very, um, you have a high or a big work ethic. So how do you keep yourself in that creative space even when you don't feel like it? Yeah, so that's a, the, the thing they, they call writer's block is like when you, you, you just hit a point where you don't know what, what happens next in the story. But I don't think that's really a thing. There's, there's tools to get out of that. There's tools like you start brainstorming. You. But I think that's usually like a personal, like a lull. In. It's like questioning yourself. Am I doing the right thing? Yeah, is this working? Is this? A lot of self-doubt. Because you sit in a room by yourself and you, you, you're the only person that you, you almost, you're, the, you're your own benchmark in that sense. Um, uh, and then halfway you're like, this is crap. And it, it, it always happens. There's, I've never written a script that, that it doesn't happen. So actually now... But you feel like this is not, this is not good. It's actually crap. This is crap. I just walk away. And then you, you know, I just walk out my door and I go and pitch with someone and they're like, that's funny. And it's like, oh, okay. And you get a little bit confident <laughs> and you get back into it. But it's, it's interesting, like having written a few scripts now that you go and like, I know this happens. I know this happens at some point. So the the um, experience makes you work through it, um, which is cool. But was something that you actually um, taught me, which was that you you can you can work all you like. You can be busy with the coolest thing if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have the thing that you're working towards. Um, then that that kind of that that makes yourself personally feel like I'm I'm not happy. I'm not doing what I want to do. And even like it'll be it'll be what my dream was three years ago was to make films and to write for television and to direct. And now I'm doing it, and I'm and now I'm not happy. I'm like, why? I'm like, what's the? And it's just like I've I've attained that goal now, but I can't stay here. I need to go forward. So. Personally, for me, is having plenty of um, plenty of goals, like plenty of stuff that I'm working on at the same time. So when I get stuck in, in, a, in a rut for one thing, I'll jump to the, the other project and I'll go, how can I kickstart this again? And that excites me. And then I, I go into that because it's, it's, it's moving forward. It feels like progress um, all the time, which is great. Yeah, I, I love that whole concept of having a, a goal that inspires you. Because often when we get stuck is because it's kind of like we subconsciously ask why, why should I go through this pain and this effort? Why should I, you know, when you're writing something like you do and you put it out there for everyone to judge, why should I put myself um, through that kind of scrutiny and judgment and, you know, uh, 
but when you have something that really inspires you, that becomes the why, and you, you can actually break through that. And what was interesting about our conversation um, about your, your goals and moving forward is um, the fact that you attained, you know, you, 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 you reached many of the goals that you set out at first to, to achieve. And that actually, it felt normal. It became a normal for you. Being yeah. there, where actually three years prior you would have been, you know, you, you, if I told you you'd be there after three years, you, you probably wouldn't believe it. Um, and the way you've, uh, um, you've been able to, to raise that bar for yourself and set the goal a bit higher every time, it's, it's, um, it's really inspiring for me to hear how you do that and, and see you do that. Um, well, one of the other big things that like I'm not I'm not trying to market you yet, but <laughs> <laughs> now write it down. Write yeah. it <laughs> but uh, um, a big a big a big thing that I um, that I've learned that that I, was it like a very special time in my life um, that was instowed on me bestowed on me by you was um, <laughs> was to move towards growth. Um, what's the because what, you feel like you feel like you you feel like this is the thing that I probably should do, but you've done it a million times before, and you're comfortable in that position. And you're comfortable there, and it's what everybody thinks you think you need to probably do. But you've got something inside you that you feel like this needs to this needs to happen. And uh, oh, this, uh, why am I not? Yeah, you know, why am I why am I scared to jump? And because it's uncertain. Um, and then, and then, just choosing growth, choosing where's the where am I going to grow doing this one thing, or am I going to grow doing the thing that's scaring me? And you'll always grow doing the thing that's scaring you because you're getting into a position that you don't know yourself in, and and being stuck in the other, not stuck, like you're going to do the things that you do, but you're going to you're not learning from yourself. And and I've got myself found myself in positions where I'm where people ask me, all like, what do I need to do? And I'm like. And I just channel that and say, um, I, I'll charge them a ridiculous fee. And then I tell them, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, and I tell them just what's, what's the growth? Where will you grow more? And uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that, that's true. So um, maybe on that point, it'd be great to hear what, what your current challenges are. What, what, are, what fears are you facing at the moment for you to grow as a, well, let's say as a writer, as a creator, like you put it in the beginning. And as a person, yeah. So, well, there's the first is the extrinsic. South Africa, in sorry, in Benny, we we had an internet lapse there. You said uh, the first was, and then we had, we uh, got nothing. I think the first one is a very it's obviously an external one, which is um, is South Africa and where we are now, like uh, just with the whole. The pandemic that's running around and uh, our industry is standing still because we they've started shooting now they started but like there's a lot of no theaters are open so it's a scary time um to to chase my big dream which is opening a, a big collaborative theater meeting like a theater improv stage group with offices and it's a big dream and and now we're walking towards that thing with not knowing, like people are gone, people can't afford rent for offices now. You you're gonna go into blind faith that you, this thing would work. So for me, from an external point of view, it's that, 
And, and another one, a personal one, is staying relevant um, with, with like the kids all jumping on TikTok and, and like a very consumed, like consuming, like consuming content as much. And, and like I'm, they're working on 10 seconds things and it's funny and it's quick and it's, um, and they're swiping and they're going through it. But like I'm working on longer form. I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crazy about it necessarily. I think it's a great idea starter. It's a great way to do, to, to, to get stuff out there. But I personally, I don't want to, I don't like that, that 10 second type of thing because I, I want to uh, expand into a bigger audience or bigger, bigger story. But um, staying relevant then, like what is not, not losing touch with, with, with the people around you. And I think that, for me is answered in, in just keeping up normal relationships with everybody around me, like keeping good contact with friends, um, with everyday situations where where you just know like if this is funny for all of these people, then this will work. Or um, just yeah, don't don't lose connect, don't get disconnected because your work is sometimes something that's really isolating yourself and in a separate little place um that that for me like staying relevant is a scary thing but keeping connected i think is the answer i like that um and also i you know my my two cents on the whole um 10 second thing don't you think it's a bit like um one-liners or punny you know wordplays will always be funny but when you get people to engage on that deeper emotional level, when you when you use relationships and people can relate to what you're actually doing, the deeper thing, um, you know that will never go away. And it doesn't matter which generation you are from. When you can connect with that person within that relationship, we identify with with the character. Um, you're uh, all in. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes, like you'll just. I think that a lot of the TikTok stuff is like very slam dunk. Like it's all just smash and smash. Like you know, um, where uh, it's true. Like as I said earlier, like it's ingrained into us. Story is ingrained into us. We 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 grow up wanting wanting the Ghana horse and the princess and everything. That's that's like part of us. So we'll always we'll always be open to to those type of of stories. But yeah, the the relevance thing is in terms of just comedy is I don't want to be I never want to be the fifty year old guy who thinks he's funny and everybody's just like yeah, this guy's out of well maybe talk about who's, who do you look up to who's your comedy heroes uh, well, maybe I should even ask comedy but but slash creative heroes because I, I like the way you you said what do you do you create so who inspires you in that way. Uh, well, growing up, it was just getting like watching watching guys um, comedies, just Will Ferrells and the Jim Carreys, just <laughs> nailing it. And um, and growing up and doing what I do now, and realizing how actually how hard that is to 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 do. Um, but I'm a massive fan of Jason Bateman. Uh, he's the he's the um, he was in Identity Theft, and he was in um, what's the other? 
can't is, remember everything now. Is he the guy in Modern oh, Family? That guy? Or, no, Horrible Bosses. Um, and he, he wrote, um, he, he produces Ozark now. But I just love, I just love content guys that, that does a little bit of everything. Like, he's, uh, he's one of the directors on the show, Ozark, which is a massive show. Next is it the guy, is it a guy from Arrested Development? Yes. yes okay. I'm with you. Yeah. He's, um, He's just such a, he's a showrunner in that sense. He 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 creates, but he he um, he also he plays and he directs and he's like a jack of all trades in that sense. Um, and he's yeah. he's got a massive drive. Like he's constantly putting out really good stuff. And like it started with comedy, and but then he's, he's he made this show Ozark, which is mind blowing. I, I don't know how they put that together. I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's it's quite dark. It's very dark. Um, I've got the fascination of dark comedy. That's another thing. I I can't shake it. I don't know what it is, but uh, I think um, Havoc is a nice, also something that I really uh, really like. As a word, Todd Phillips did all the um, Hangover movies, and that was one of his um, his taglines. It wasn't. It's mayhem. Like Havoc and Mayhem. Mayhem is a word that describes all of his films, he says. He's also the director of The Joker. Um, so, yeah, those type of guys, like, I, you know, I, I, listen to, I listen to them. Someone, someone else is a different type of guy. It's Conan O'Brien. Um, he's a TV host, but he was a writer on Saturday Night Live since the 80s, and he's, um, he wrote The Simpsons. He was one of those writers from The Simpsons. He's just been all over the place. And... He, he's got a podcast and you just listen in and you realize this is the kindest guy and his fame and his hard work is ne never stopped, but also like it never went to his head. He's just, he, he also, he says like these type of guys that blow up and they, they, they're not who they are. He doesn't want to be that guy. He's this guy really, he just, he just puts everybody else in the spotlight. And um, yeah, I really look up to him. It's really cool. Now, I listened to one, one show with Mike Myers. Conan, Conan Needs a Friend? Yeah. Yes. That's a podcast, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's incredible. Uh, the, the kind of relationships he's built over the years and the stories he, he has to share. God. It's fascinating. It's fascinating to see that he was, he was at now before Mike Myers came. It's like, how? But it's just like forever been for me. All right. Yeah, we're back. Sorry. Yes. Internet right. issues. Mm. It's all right. I, I've got a, a last question for you, Benny, unless you have, you want to add some uh, other as, no. Uh, inspiration. No, okay, cool. My last question is, um, what, what do you feel is like your superpower? What are you putting out there into the world that you feel it's, it's making the world better? Um, I do, as I said, I felt like, I really feel like I've got a calling on making people laugh. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I, I, I think I'm putting out there that people should not, it, it, everything's not that serious. It doesn't need to be that serious. Like finding the lighter moments. Um, because it's, for some reason we believe we need to, everything needs to be like sorted, you know, and, and and a lot of people will want to like uh, like don't shake don't shake my world like and I believe like comedy 
is the greatest way to shake a world and to make you look at yourself and go like, okay, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't take myself so serious. So I think that's something that I um, I put out there, making people feel lighter and uh, opening it up to to maybe we are maybe we Afrikaans people, maybe we are a little bit Muratsoms. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're reminding me. Um, I agree that that's definitely part of your superpower to just like lighten up a bit, you know. Also, see the humor. It doesn't mean that you're not taking the specific thing serious or you're not going to work in it or you don't want to change it, but like you can laugh a bit. And um, it reminds me, I did a course called um, Habits Fun Hell, which is like a, a whole thing about how to use habits in your life to reach your goals. And one of the people that attended, one of the guys that attended it is one of these big slogans that um, he developed throughout the course was, you know, don't, don't take yourself so serious, which was mm-hmm. his message to himself. And that kind of yeah. just stuck with me um, because generally in the work that I do with people, it's, it can be quite serious. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just, kept on reminding me to just don't take yourself so seriously. Um, you can still do serious and important work without being so serious. And that's also something that you teach me. So thank you. Well, <laughs> it's funny because you say I teach you that, but it's something bigger that I learned from you. It's like we've, we've, we've done some really funny stuff together at like when I grew up, when I was at university. And then like you... You'd be able to take the funny stuff and make it a bit serious, like bring the serious in, which which was a good balance for me. And I know that, like in your work, line of work, you are very there is very serious situations. But I think what like also differentiates you from it is like the the way to to, to say laugh a little bit at it as well. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's that's a great angle to it. Thanks, Benny. So people uh, listening, that was one big advertisement um, to book a session with me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Long Benny. And uh, um, I, I'll EFT the 100 grand soon. I'm well, sure. Just, uh, the first half. The first half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the deposit. It was 10% okay. deposit, right? Yeah. I'll <laughs> get you the rest soon. As soon as the, the bookings come rolling in. Yeah, I could travel over borders. Watch me. I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, thank you very much, Benny, for being on the show. And thank you, everyone, for, for listening or watching, if you're watching the video of this. And remember, if you change your perspective, you can transform your life. Until next time, bye. Yes. Yeah.